Grace and peace be with you through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Our portion of God's Word to consider this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, reading there from verses 12 through 18. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we all were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free people, and we were all caused to drink one Spirit. Furthermore, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it does not on that account cease to be part of the body. If the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it does not on that account cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has arranged the members in the body, each and every one of them, as he desired. This is the word of God before us today. We ask the Holy Spirit's blessing as we consider God's unique design in the church. Though it is full of difficulties from our perspective, it is fully capable through God's word and will. It is true that life is full of surprises. One of the surprises is the fact that something that seems to be a weakness can actually be a great blessing. I think about this often in sports. One of my favorite football players growing up was Barry Sanders of the Detroit Lions. I like Barry Sanders because he was somebody who played on my favorite team. He was one of the all-time greats but also because he was unique. Barry Sanders was an undersized running back. He was often overlooked because of that. He lacked the physical characteristics that one would often associate with a professional running back. Barry was short. He was not the strongest. When he was in college, he wasn't recruited by many of the powerhouse programs. He was overlooked by many. I think he only had one or two scholarship offers, and yet he went on to win the Heisman Trophy, the highest award for individual achievement in college football. Even when he got to the National Football League, he was doubted by many. He was overlooked by a couple teams in the draft. He was seen as someone who wouldn't accumulate too much. One of the reasons that Barry Sanders became a Hall of Famer and perhaps in the eyes of some, the greatest running back of all time, is because he was able to use his weaknesses as strengths. Even though he was shorter than the average running back, he had a lower center of gravity. He was able to cut and change direction faster than others. Even though he didn't weigh as much as the standard running back, he was able to use that to increase his acceleration and speed. As a result, his running style, as you probably know if you've ever seen a game tape or video evidence of it, his running style is unlike anyone who's ever played the game before. The perception of people was that it wasn't going to work, that his weaknesses were too much to overcome, and yet they became something that made him stronger and gave him even greater success. And it's amazing in life how often this plays out, not just in sports, but in every situation of life, how our perception limits what God is able to do. 
Now, sports is one thing, and I'm not saying it was God's will that any particular football player do or accomplish any particular thing. But here we see in our text this morning from the Apostle Paul that God also brings this unique surprise to us when it comes to the work of the church. It's a mystery, as Paul writes, that the church of God is a united group of individuals. Think about that for a moment. Notice the contrast in that thought. The church is united, but at the same time is made up of individual people who are all different. At no point does the church ever become excluding either of these things. We're always united under faith and under God's word, but we're also always different people. Comparing the church to the human body, as Paul does here, is an apt description of that very thing. The human body is made up of individual, different parts, yet all functioning for the same purpose. This feature about the church is often perceived by the world as a weakness. Sometimes even perceived by Christians, even unintentionally, as a weakness. It seems impossible, or a very bad plan at the least, for a group of individuals to unify around a set of beliefs. The world says there's just too many personal thoughts and opinions about things. No one can ever be unified as a group, especially around the Word of God. This also leads to difficulties and frustrations, as we all know, being members of a church. This has caused many Christians to give up on trying to follow what God's Word teaches because it just seems impossible to do so. It's too hard. And indeed, many churches today no longer really have a confession around God's Word at all because they see it as an impossible ideal that can never be carried out. Furthermore, life experience teaches us that the more people we add into a scenario, the more complicated it becomes. Every church wants to grow, but not every church is aware of what happens when it grows. Long-standing members become frustrated when newer members come in and maybe challenge the way things have been done. Maybe don't always know what the tradition is or what the practice has been. Newer members might feel excluded or visitors might feel excluded as if they're not in the club, as if they don't belong. This is just one challenge in many when it comes to working as the body of Christ. When it comes to individual people unifying around the Word of God. Even more so, there are difficulties and challenges for us from our perspective because God is in control. Now that is a comforting thought for us as believers, but in our day-to-day lives and in our practice and experience as people here on earth, it's challenging when God is in control. Paul writes, God has arranged the members in the body, each and every one of them, as he desired. The idea presented here is quite clear. God is the one in control. God has placed each and every believer in his or her position in the church. And within that capacity, God's desire, as Paul calls it, or we could say God's will, is that each individual serves 
according to the purpose to which God has given them. That's a challenging prospect, even when a person wants to follow God. Because the temptation to have infighting among one another, to be discontent with the role that God has given me, to want somebody else to do something, those temptations are always present in the church. And we see the same thing in every area of our lives where God is in control. Sinful mankind can't help but rebel against that. We don't like God being in control. We don't like what Paul says here, that God has arranged things as he desired, not as I have desired or you have desired. This is an increasingly common thing today as well in our culture and in our society when so much emphasis is on personal freedom and control. And it's certainly because of that, something that affects our faith. We might ask ourselves, if there's so much potential for trouble and frustration, why would God design the church this way? On the one hand, there's an easy way to answer that. It may not give you the answer that you want, but the easy answer to that is, well, when it's a situation where God's in control, we don't always have an answer to why. Sometimes it's just a matter where God tells us, this is my word to you, and I want you to trust me and follow that. I'm not going to explain to you why it is that way. So that's an easy way for me as a pastor to answer that question for you. Why would God design it this way? Well, in reality, one of the answers is because he has. And that's about what we can say. But through Paul's writing this morning, and through the illustration that he uses is the body of Christ, we see a couple other things that God explains to us as to why he would design the church this way. First, the fact that Paul goes into detail about the different parts of the body, such as eyes and ears and feet and hands, shows us that there is wisdom and goodness behind things that are different and unique. We can certainly sense that with our physical bodies, right? We recognize that probably without thinking about that when it comes to our physical bodies. And that's why Paul brings it to mind. When I was preparing the sermon, one of the things I was thinking about in that regard are, are my thumbs. How often do you thank God for your thumbs each week or each day? But do you know all the creatures in the world that don't have thumbs? And how limited they are because of that. Do you know all the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis with your thumbs that you don't even think about? But we wouldn't like it if the whole body were a thumb, would we? What good would that be? As Paul says, if the whole body were an eye or an ear, where would the other senses be? Where would the other gifts and abilities be? So we recognize through the illustration that God tells us there's value to differing individuals, which is why God has retained that in his church. There's value to that. Paul goes on to write in verses 20 to 22 of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. So God reminds us, 
on our own, we have skills and abilities and ways of serving God, but we're stronger as a united body of individual parts to serve God in that way. Second, when it comes to asking why God would design it this way, God tells us he not only showed wisdom in designing it this way and thereby showed quality to it, he also tells us that he uses this feature to bless the church. Paul speaks of this blessing when he summarizes this section later on in the chapter, verses 24 to 27. This is Paul's summary. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no divisions in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. God tells us that there's a blessing that he's designed in this system to strengthen our faith. When one person in the church suffers, we carry that burden with them. When one person in the church is exalted or lifted up, we recognize that as being part of our entire family of believers. And Paul summarizes the whole thought here with that final verse in 27. You are the body of Christ and individual members of it. That's God's unique design of his church. That he allows us to be different and individual and bring our unique skills, qualities, and abilities to serve in his name. But it's all done under the banner of unity under his word. Outwardly, from the world's perspective, the concern is that when the church is united, but composed of different individuals, that only leads to division. Again, the thought is it's impossible for this to work. But notice that God wrote through Paul and said, it's actually designed to bring the opposite, to keep us from being divided. God's will is that by seeing the individual differences in our church and recognizing the unity we have under faith in Jesus, we would better care for and appreciate one another. If one person has exceptional skills in a certain area, that we would step up and allow them to express that and to use that in the church. If one person is struggling and discouraged or weak in an area, that the rest of the body would come to their aid and strengthen and encourage them. When we envision a healthy church, this is what it looks like. This is the vision. But it would not be possible without God's design. Now, division does exist in the church. We're not trying to act like that's not a reality, like that's not a danger for us to be aware of. But division enters the scene when we depart from God's will. If we consider it intently for a few minutes, it's not hard to think of the many frustrations that happen in the work of the church. Not just for pastor, not just for teacher, but for every member. It's difficult to follow church leaders like pastors and teachers, a church council, voters, It's especially difficult to follow this when 
major decisions are being made in the church that affect the future of the church, like what we're going through right now. It's difficult if God hasn't put us in a position of authority in the church that we would trust those that he has. It's not easy. It's difficult to serve at church when no one seems to see it, appreciate it, or notice it. It's difficult to hold your tongue when a fellow church member puts their foot in their mouth. It's difficult to remember I'm sinful and I need God's grace too. And that just because this person is a fellow believer doesn't mean everything they think or say or do is always going to be perfect. Rather, we like to see it as us versus them. Did you see what that person did? Can you believe what they said? It's difficult to see church as a blessing that we desire. God tells us that we hunger and thirst for. Much more often, we see it as a burdensome obligation. Not all of these difficulties or all of the potential difficulties associated with church is directly because of God's design, but His design can accentuate these difficulties. And they all come in, and they enter the scene, and they grow among the body of believers when we treat one another outside of God's will. This is no different for Paul or previous believers or the apostles in God's word either. Open up your Bible and you'll see many examples of the struggles that they encountered and went through in their faith and in their ministry because of God's unique design. On one occasion, Paul was in Asia Minor showing great care for the churches, many of the churches that are listed in the epistles in the New Testament. And one night, God called him to go to Greece. And the next day, he was gone. Paul didn't know that going into it. Paul didn't know what the plan was moving forward. Paul didn't know why God asked him to go. Earlier in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, Paul wrote this simple verse. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Like us, Paul didn't always know what the result of his ministry was going to be. Paul didn't always know what role God had put him in in the timeline of events where he was at. Was he one to plant the seed? Was he one to tend it and to water it? Was he one to receive the growth? God didn't tell him. Later to the Corinthians, at the end of the book, Paul wrote this in chapter 14, let all things be done decently and in order. Now that's one of the easiest Bible passages. A lot of our younger children learn that right away, just a few words long. And it sounds simple on the surface, which one of us wouldn't want things to be done decently and in order in the church? But there's God's design again. One body many individual members. And sometimes when it comes to doing things decently and in order, it takes more time. It takes more effort. It takes more patience. It takes more diligence. And the things add up and add up and add up. And we start to think to ourselves, it'd be a lot easier if I just did this myself. To the Philippians, Paul wrote this general truth. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. 
this passage wasn't just directed at church life or ministry, but it certainly helps us understand how things can be more frustrating when we work as a body of believers. We are called to be servants, patient and loving with others, forgiving others even when they've wronged us. We are called to look at ourselves as secondary to our brothers and sisters in Christ. To Timothy, Paul wrote, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Paul and Timothy were both pastors, so this made sense. But as we saw last weekend, God doesn't give the ministry to pastors. He gives it to the congregation, to you. And so these words are directed at your life too. But how easy it is to sit back and say, I can't speak God's word. I don't have those skills. Somebody else will do it. Wait till the next pastor comes. It's his job to do that. And when God says, be ready, we don't want to be. Working as a unified church, while at the same time being individuals, is full of potential and frustration and difficulty. It can attack our relationship with one another. It can attack our relationship by faith with God. This is certainly a mysterious design from God. And from our perception, it often seems like a weakness. We struggle to understand it. But notice what God says about it at the very beginning of our text. In the first verse, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. Here is the blessing in God's design. The mystery is not just about brothers and sisters in the church. It's not just about our work as a church, but God tells us it's also about Christ. Just as it is for you, so it is with Christ. Jesus saw fit to become one of us, to be grafted into the body of Christ, to become fully man to suffer our penalty, to uphold God's standard of righteousness on our behalf, to die our death. He did all this. He embraced God's design of the church to win our salvation. Jesus didn't stop being full God and fully man at any point. He still is to this day. And, same, and similar to, for us, we don't stop being a unified body of believers, but we also don't stop being individual members with unique skills and abilities. This is God's mysterious plan, and anytime you're discouraged or frustrated with it, may you be reminded that so it is with you, just as it was with Christ. Because of this feature, the church's design in our work also mirrors the gospel message of salvation. As we strive to follow God's will here, we will be reminded of what he's done for us through Jesus. Talk about disappointment, persecution, difficulty, frustration, everything that Jesus went through and more on our behalf to make the payment for our sins. 
as we contemplate that and as God reminds us of that when we struggle as a church, when we struggle as individual believers, may we be encouraged that we mirror Jesus in our work. We mirror him not as only an example to other believers or to the world or to our community, we certainly do, but we also mirror him for our own faith, for individuals, that we would be reminded Christ came for you to suffer, die, and rise for your sins. Paul wrote this at the beginning of his letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear, in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words in human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's the banner that we proudly carry as a church. That's the legacy that you have as the body of Christ. Not founded in human wisdom, the ways of the world, what seems to make sense to our observation, but your faith is founded in Christ crucified. That design seems weak, foolish, unrealistic to the, world, to the ways of the world. But this seeming weakness is changed through Jesus. We have division at times. We have frustrations at times. There are genuine struggles and concerns at times. That part is all true. But through Jesus, the weakness that seems to be in God's design is turned into a great strength. God allows us to remain individual Christians with unique skills, talents, abilities, roles, and callings while uniting together for the common purpose of proclaiming the gospel word. And the best part is in that very design, he mirrors for us what he did as our Savior, becoming weak unto death so that we would be eternally strong with him in heaven. When you're discouraged and tempted to doubt, remember those simple words from Paul. So also is Christ. What an amazing design from God. And let us give thanks and praise to him for giving it to us as a church in his word. Amen. Please rise.